I'm Hannah Young, and you're listening to The Caring Economy with Toby Isnick, sponsored by Philanthropic Impact. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Ladies and gentlemen, wherever you are in the world, welcome back to The Caring Economy with me, Toby Usnick. Today, my guest is Christina Ho. She is a rare and growing breed. She is a female airline pilot with one of the world's leading airlines based in Hong Kong. I think we can all figure out which one that is. I'm a frequent flyer there. She was a fine arts major and a fashion designer before becoming a pilot. And yet she discovered her aviation passion while on a trip once with this airline when she made her way into the cockpit of a leisure flight and realized that this is where she's meant to be. And she never looked back. She pursued her aviation dream through the company's cadet pilot program, an intensive and challenging experience that ultimately paid dividends. Now today she uses her story and her daily work to inspire the younger generation and encourage other women in particular to go after their dreams and become the person they want to be. We will hear more about all that today, but for now, welcome to the Caring Economy, Christina Ho. Hey everyone, I'm so looking forward to these conversations. Well, I think most of my listeners know by now that I'm actually a, a pilot myself, just a, a recreational pilot. I have a little Cessna that I love flying. I'm still in awe of aviation and all the more in awe of you, Christina, because you just don't see a lot of women pilots in commercial airlines. Tell us a little bit about your life story, your narrative, how you got from this young lady growing up in, in Hong Kong and now a pilot for a major global top 10 airline. Thank you, Toby, for the great introductions about me. As said, I'm an airline pilot currently, and a lot of people felt, thought that I should be graduated with a science major or very good at them subjects, and which is not my case. I actually studied fine arts, especially when I was in high school and in university. I focusing on a lot like oil painting, sculpture, ceramics, these kind of things. Just, I can stuck in the arts room for three days, not really eating, for just creating all these arts. Mm -hmm. and, um, and then after that, I thought, oh, maybe I want to do something more two-way communications. So I'm thinking if I, my arts just put it in the art gallery, it's, it's not bad. It's just something that I'm telling people about what I thought. But if I'm doing something like design, maybe a product design, I, I make a cup and people can pull in their own favorite coffee to start their morning. This kind of art, I just feel like a little bit more moved it. Mm -hmm. So I decided to put it into the fashion design. Mm -hmm. So end up I being a fashion designer after I graduate. And then after that, that's I went into that field and really work as a fashion designer for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. And then after that, I just feel like, oh, I'm still young. I want to try something different mm -hmm. um, and also get a lot more inspiration into my arts. Mm -hmm. So I thought, oh, I miss the States because I, I study in uh, the United States uh, since high school and I spent my time there mm -hmm. for years. I just decided, oh, maybe I can switch the field. Maybe I, I missed the flying, missed the traveling. And I went to being a cabin crew, a flight attendant. And I thought, oh, this job is going to give bring me so much of the travel, um, bring me so much of the, of the inspirations. But then, unfortunately, I just stuck with the cockpit because I fall in love with it. Because of one of the flights I got able to go into the cockpit mm -hmm. and then see how the, how the people uh, works, like the, 
the pilots, they work professionally. It was a lesser trouble flight. It wasn't really when I was at work. Because of that, I just decided, oh, it is actually something that I really want to do. Mm-hmm. I, I want to be a pilot. And I just keep that moment in my heart and just say, I have to go for it. And I ran through all these trainings, interviews. And then I also went back to uh, Kansas to work in an airfield. Mm-hmm. And then just trying to make my make up my mind saying that, do I just having that three seconds of igniting or I really, really want to go into this career. But that I just go into that and become a pilot now. Wow. And currently working a lot on the female pilot policy, trying to help out with the new generations, mm-hmm. knowing that policy and education is really the key to help changing the world because you can see how many years been already been done in aviation and the percentage of female pilots do that little. So yeah. just trying my best to do something. Yeah, we say play it forward. So you made it yourself and now you want to help others, which is beautiful. Can you take us back a little bit about those periods of change when you were thinking, hmm, maybe I want to actually be in the cockpit? How were your friends and family? Were they all behind you? Were they doubting it? Were they supportive? At first, when I joined aviation as a cabin crew, my mom and dad is already not knowing this industry that much. They, they kind of knowing because like when you get on the plane, you're as a passenger, you kind of look at what they do and just guessing what they do until I tell them about the story about, oh, I one time because of my friend's wedding, I, 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 I have to get catch on a fly and it was a full fly. And I tell them, oh, I, I got a jump seat from the captains. They release it so I can actually sit in the cockpit for the whole flight. Then at that moment, it just drives my heart, like cannot go away from it anymore because I see all the lightings in the copy with the instruments. It's not like I, I've been in a little aircraft, but that one is just huge to me because I'm quite a tiny lady. I just look at it, the lights just coming through you when you go on, like adding the speed in, on the one way. Mm-hmm. And those kind of things I just share with my friends. And they just say, oh, it's pretty good. And they, they really never say no in our culture. We really don't say, oh, Christina, you can't do it. We really don't say that in the Chinese culture. Uh-huh. But people do will say, mm-hmm, you can try. It's pretty tough, something like that. But I kind of having not saying that arrogant thing is just saying that mm, if I'm not saying that I'm going for an astronaut or anything, it's just people still do it. Like there's a lot of pilots out there. Why <laughs> can't I just try it at least? Like if I try it, I can tell you, I can rate it to from one to 10, how hard it is, right? When people tell you something is really hard. Now I can't, if I don't even try it, I can't even rate it. I can't even know how does it feel like. And then I tell my mom about that. Like my mom is pretty open-minded. When I was younger, I actually studied in Hong Kong with a very traditional school. And then I, I, I did tell my mom saying, oh, I just want to, go somewhere else when I when I grow a little bit older because I just feel like the world is so big. I just want to see all these. And then my mom said, um, um, actually, we, we doesn't have a plan like that for you because I was so young. I was thinking, oh, maybe we're just too poor. So I, I just doesn't have that plan. So I just go online and click on different kind of scholarship. I send out so many of them, but only one come back. And then I go to interviews and uh, go go for that presentations after school, didn't even tell my mom. Mm-hmm. And then I, I got that. 
to my mom and say, oh, mom, it's free. Can I go? And then my <laughs> mom is like, okay. And then she just finally <laughs> said that okay to me. That is why um, my high school has been in, in Kansas because of that. That's amazing. You finished this career transition to get into a piloting, but when you were joining, when you were first flying in the cockpit with other presumably mostly male pilots and co-pilots, how was it? Did they kind of look at you like, oh, you can't do this or wow, welcome aboard or was it a little bit of everything? Were you welcomed with open arms? I think in my, in my company culture is pretty good, especially because um, it's a wide body aircraft. So, okay. which means if I fly the long haul flight, we get a few more people in the cockpit. It's not just one very experienced captain and then with you only. Yeah. It's more like having three or four people. So it's kind of balance out that that feelings mm -hmm. you got. And then it has a multiculture, maybe someone from India, maybe someone um, there ex Air Force from France or they are red arrows before something like that. It's kind of like sharing that experience more. But um, I also heard people saying that in the past is really, especially the very, very old generations, which I ne never met. They said they, they at that time, because so little female. So they, you kind of have to prove a lot of yourself. But at the same time, I also feel like I'm also responsible for, for preparing my own flight, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I do my own job, I prepare myself, and then I also have to be confident about what I have learned because we, we do face things. I got incidents during my trainings on my uh, single engine aircraft with single pilot trainings, which I'm the only one on there, and things happen. I've been through it. So I just feel like what I have been studying and what procedure has been taught is helping us out to solve the problem. So I just have to trust that I, I learned that and trust that I can use it. And what about other women on, say, the either in the cockpit or more likely in the cabin crew? Do they kind of like, you go, girl, they're there for you? Or they're like, oh, who does she think she is? Or is it a little bit of <laughs> uh, Good and bad. When I was a current crew, they're more question smart on their, on their head mm -hmm. because they kind of feel like, oh, are you really keen on doing this? Because not many people go through a path like that. After I being a pilot, I feel like the position is pretty good because a lot of them are also Hong Kong girls. Mm -hmm. So whenever something happened at the back, they're more willing to tell me because I speak the language. I, I look a little bit more similar to them in compared to a, a big white guy or like that. So they, they, they are more, I become a little bit more approachable when things happen in the, in the plane. So I actually happy with, happy with what is going on now, like milestone or anything like that. But I feel like, oh, I become a very good communications bridge with them. Give our listeners a sense of your training. I know what it took for me, just private pilot life, commercial aviation is so many more levels above that. So it, either a sense of hours trained or book hours exams. I've never had a PPL, a private license before I get into this program. I was just bringing that passion saying that, oh, I'm passionate in flying. I, I just want to go for this. And I know there's a tons in front of me especially people knowing I am not from any STEM subjects majors and knowing that I doesn't have that background. People does wonder. I just have to tell myself I have to do it. Firstly, you have to go through the ATPL, which is the airline transportations 
uh, pilot's license thing. So based on that, you need to go through around 16 subjects, which all related to like meteorology, how the plane fly, air law, and all these are based on the ground school first. So you study, you I did spend a lot of time on this part because to me it's, it's actually tougher than the flying part because I I doesn't have an engineering background. I have to start studying engine, how it works. So after that, if you have tick all these boxes with air law and stuff like that, then you get to do the fun part. You get to do the flying part. The flying parts is all based on the uh, Hong Kong CPL, which the CPL and then the ATPL, right? The commercial pilot license and then that one. So that one will be based on your CPL first. And then you do some um, multi-crew trainings with your instructors. You get your first solo in the first week. They will put you on a couple flight and then you have to go for the fir a first solo. They will try to minimize into 10 to 20 hours and then you have to do the solo flight. And then after that, um, you do some different, different kinds of trainings and then you do navigation flights by yourself, which means you go on it and then sit for there maybe three hours on your own and try to test that. Can you be a captain in the future? And then you also do the MECA, which is the multi-engines uh, license. And also we do night flying, which is pretty fun. And then we will also do uh, different kind of emergency and then we will go into the two engines trainings. And then you start to know how heavy is the rudder. And then after all these flying things, they will try to squeeze it as little hours as you can do because the training, the whole training is around 53 weeks. My one is around 53 to 55. So that is the trainings I've done in Australia, Adelaide, which now they are kind of wanting to move back the the ground school part back to Hong Kong because we can have more connections with the new cadets. But by, at my time, the whole year will be spent in Australia. Mm -hmm. And then after you've gotten all this, you go into the simulator in a little one. At that time, I did the um, Airbus 320 and then done some trainings. Finally, you can come back, but is that done? No, it's not done. After that, immediately you didn't get a break. And then immediately you get thrown into the real simulator, which is, I fly the Boeing 777. So I got put into Boeing 777 simulator with the ground school at the same time. And then with different sector, and then no break again, flow you into the real aircraft and then do the trainings. Then finally you're licensed. You, you, you can fly 400 people at the back. And it is actually amazing after you recall that to me. Wow. I remember when I got my first solo, they would take your shirt and tear off. You, you, you'd rip off the shirt and sign it. I don't know if they do that in Hong Kong, but, but that was just me and a little single and prop. But flying a big commercial airliner, like 400 people, how astonishing. Must have been thrilling the first time you did it. I know that there is a goal in the very, very far. But at the same time, I just trying to tell myself, I just focus on tomorrow because sometimes, because the time that I fly uh, was the summertime and the wintertime in, in Australia. So, which means the weather is not as good that 
you can fly every day. Sometimes you're stuck on the ground for five days. So the next day, you want to get as much as you can. Maybe sometimes I do fly in the morning and then I fly in the afternoon. And if you can, you can do a flight at nighttime. So you kind of do three flights a day, which is very, is very um, tiring too. So yeah. I just want to focus each flight, do my best in each flight. And then eventually it just come. I just, I also feel like very amazing when I look back because I never really plan a path like that i never plan saying oh in a certain day i will become a pilot in a certain day i will become a fashion designer like i never really plan my life it's just calm and i just face it and it's still i still like it i think that's very reassuring because i don't think anyone really sets out a plan and achieves it in exactly the way they dreamed right but it always makes yeah. sense in the end Ladies and gentlemen, again today on The Caring Economy, we're thrilled to have Christina Ho with us. She's one of the first, and certainly the first I know, female pilot, commercial pilot out of uh, Hong Kong, out of Asia. Do you know, are you the first, the 10th, the 20th female pilot in a, a major commercial airline? Our company reflects the same rates, the same percentage like the global mm -hmm. is around 5%. 4 point something, 5% like that. They do try to encourage people and uh, try to get more female pilots in the future, which we are aiming for uh, a lot more compared to now. But looking back, the numbers never really grow, especially as you said, also Asia, uh, like Asian, even less. Like we have a lot of expat. We, uh, I'm not trying to be racist or anything here. I'm just saying if the rates of Asian female pilots is even less. So I'm, I'm not the first one, definitely. To me, they are more, more quiet, mm -hmm. I would say. I think it's because it's really not the majority in the company. I still remember some of the senior tell us, oh, if for the whole career you fly and you don't get famous, then you, you're pretty successful. <laughs> and they just think that, oh, just being a pilot flying or playing and just be quiet. It's like, I don't know, is that the culture here? But to me, I just feel like if I have a, like God give me a story like that, I think there's something to do with it. I, I just not, not just inspiring people to be a pilot. I still want to encourage people around me, especially the new generations and the women don't just get tore off from something and then you just scare of it because at the end of the day, those people will tell you off. Probably don't remember it. I experienced that and 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 I think many people experience that. Just trying to be giving a lot more positive energy and encouragement in my community, especially in this kind of culture. Even you think, oh, Hong Kong is a very international city, but we still have that um traditional roots mm. in there mm. with the Chinese culture was still my mom will still tell me that oh actually I just want my daughter to be in 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 office and then having that air conditioning and it's pretty good and she will still think that my job is is tough why I have to go around like that why you have to stay up at night and yeah this is my passion well, it's clear it comes through. And I love this concept of you're putting it forward. Let's talk a little bit about your volunteerism. I know from our conversations and exchanges, you see you've got the Hong Kong Youth Aviation Academy as a, an instructor, female pilot advisory group, peer assistant network member, and now you're also a protege of the Women's Foundation in mentoring young people. 
Tell us a little bit about how you volunteer and what these organizations do. In the first place, joined the Female Pilot Advisory Group. But at that time, is right after I come back. And then uh, one of the managers just saying, that, oh, we got a really fabulous group that want to invite you to join. But then at that time, I really don't know what is it. I never, like, I wasn't that conscious about that, that gender equality thing. Uh-huh. Because I never, people are asking me, oh, do you really have a, have a really role model to look up to when you grow up so that you, you got that drive? And I was like, oh, actually, I, I, I don't. I just, I just feel happy that my mom and my parents are very open-minded. I just, I just ran off and tried different things. That's why I know so much about myself. This works for me. This doesn't work for me. And I, I really doesn't have that flame saying that, oh, uh, pilots has to be male. I never have that statement in my, in my head. That's why it brings me into a position that when I'm picking things, I, I don't question them. But when I, after I join all these associations or talk to people, talk to people younger than me, then I start to realize, oh, I, I never look into people's um, concern. And I didn't know that this is something that people think about, mm-hmm. um, especially uh, when I go into PAN, like the uh, peer sure. support yeah. network, yeah. I start to learn. They give you course about start to learn how to be a good listener. This organization is actually for pilots, support pilots, because um, pilots has lots of different stress that people may not be understand. Like if I tell my friends saying that, oh, I may lost my medical license, they may just say, then you just get it back. But they didn't know that that's actually attached to your work. Mm-hmm. You kind of may feel ashamed or you may feel, oh, I'm losing almost everything. And my financially maybe breaking down, my families have to bear with that just because of my medical. So um, this kind of thing, we set up this to when people, they can pick up their phone and call us. They don't have to tell us their name or anything like that. And then they can just share uh, what, what, what are they stressed about. And also their family members are welcome to call us. Why I was joining this is because they start off with uh, some expect. And I just feel like, oh, maybe actually some Chinese pilot may also want to want to talk to a Chinese person, right? Right. So I just want to add that variations in there. So I I volunteer and go through the interviews and and then go through the course that they give me. Actually, you thought that I I can help people, but actually it's also helping me of trying to be a good listener because every flight you will meet different people, you'll meet different captains and uh, first officer. You actually use it in your daily life and you're more conscious about the feelings of people around you. I start to learn about my parents after so many years away from home. <laughs> Interesting. It's so weird, right? Now you're <laughs> like, listening and hearing things differently. Yeah, you hear things differently. You, you're conscious about things differently. Not saying the back days is bad. I was just more focusing on what I really want to do. But now I'm more focusing on what, how people feel, how, how can I help. That's fantastic. And, and then continue with the female pilots group is more about giving advisory on like how I'm being a female pilot in this company. And recently we did one, I think is really good. I want to share is 
um, we work with the Boeing and the Airbus with the manuals because it used to be a very male dominated world. So all this manual is saying he, he is blah, 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 instead of a pilot, blah, blah, blah. So it makes it a little bit more gender friendly, yeah. which maybe the, the new generation, when they read about the menu, they may, they may not even notice the change. But you can see not just the company changing, but the whole world is changing, which really fantastic feeling. Mm. Yeah. And um, if you ask me about the Hong Kong Youth Association, it is a group of local pilots trying to help out the new generations because why I'm happy that's the company bringing back the cadet program from Australia or the other parts of the world back to Hong Kong is because Hong Kong actually has been many, many years, doesn't really have a proper aviation degree. People who love aviation, they just have to go for another school somewhere else. And if you talk about just a little uh, airfield that you can fly, which currently is zero we don't even have so if i want to fly a little plane a Cessna, and then i have to go maybe somewhere around the asia the other parts which financially is tough for some of the people i just volunteer inside as an instructor sometimes uh, i teach or the other instructor teach and i especially love going to different visiting with them like we will visit the engine like we call it Heiko some engine stores and then we'll visit the government flying service um this kind of thing just to let them explore yeah. I'm personally also I personally also um more into not saying that drive them into the pilot way is more like opening up their mind saying yeah, that a lot of yeah. us, like a lot of opportunities out there mm-hmm. if me looking at me at long hairs and it just doesn't look like what they thought the pilots should be yeah. just opening opening up the mind of them saying that oh you can be somebody that you oh, want that's awesome and now you also have a series now you're doing on social media uh life lessons from the sky can you tell us a little bit about that and where does one find it i started with this story uh this series uh around last year because there when i start to go to school visit uh a lot of students just they're so they're so passionate they just ask me a lot of questions uh no matter is aviation or when they when they struggle you know when we're teenagers we're yeah. thinking oh i want to do this i want to do that i just feel so happy that they're open-minded to share with me and they trust me that that is the trust right and then i think oh maybe i just want to do something that talking their language I used to not touching the social media that much, but I thought if I want to talk to this group of people, I better talk in their language, Mm -hmm. especially like when I go to school visit, probably I'm not going to tell them how how to focus about those technical wordings in in the engine or in the procedure. I want to talk in their language so that it goes into their hearts. Mm -hmm. So I started a series called um, The Life Lessons from the Sky. It uh, gives a little bit of knowledge of aviations, but at the same time, it talks about what I learned in life, what I learned in, in aviation this world. And I just share that uh, within all my social media, with my Instagram, Facebook. The spelling is Christina Hall, but with the double T. You can find it on my social media. I just want to share that 
come out with the story every Monday. I draw a little cat called Christina Mel, and she experienced a lot of stuff that teenagers experience, or even not just teenagers, but like people in the workforce to switch jobs. I heard people from saying that, "Oh, I'm still thinking. I'm 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 thirty something. Should I still switch jobs? Should I still being a pilot?" All this kind of thing, I understand is not. Everyone have that courage, and sometimes it just takes two wordings or a sentence to be encouraged and taking that one step. That one step just making life different. You're reminding me a little bit. We had a guest earlier last year, uh, Zara Rutherford. I'll mm. send you the interview, but she set the world record, several world records last year for circumnavigating the world, so, solo piloting. She did it all to raise awareness to close the gender gap in STEM education, mm. STEM careers, and. She's 19. So awesome. I'm a lot older. (laughs) (laughs) Well, but the good news is you're out there. So young people, older people have something to look at that they can see themselves that maybe didn't see it before. So I um I want to let you have the last word, but I just want to say thank you again, Christina Ho, for joining us today. Do you have a favorite route that you fly and why? I still love going back to United States, still my second home. Um as I spend years there and uh, my friends over there start to have their babies, I go to baby showers and stuff, still enjoy going back. And um, that's why I picked the. When they give me a chance to pick the aircraft that I want to fly, I picked the Boeing 777 because she fly, um, she fly all the auto long routes. We still have their Airbus on the side and I still love them. It's just, I. I still passionate about going back to the States. I'm glad to hear that. I'm also proudly American, although I love my trips to Hong Kong, I must say. Christina Ho, famous, wonderful female Asian pilot flying for global top 10 airline. Thank you so much for both joining us on The Caring Economy, but also showing us that people like you are making a difference, are out there and playing it forward, particularly for the young students that you're interacting with. So thank you again. You're welcome. Thank you, Toby. Thank you for listening to The Caring Economy with Toby Usnick. Please share your comments and questions with Toby via Twitter at T Usnick or LinkedIn at Toby Usnick. And thank you for sharing The Caring Economy with your friends and colleagues.